so before we really get started on this episode, um, we wanted to make sure that everyone who is listening understands that um, some of the content of this episode is going to be quite triggering for people. So we wanted to put a content warning, a trigger warning at the start of this episode so that they know <clears throat> that if you if you're maybe triggered by conversations around um, racialized violence um, and also at some points in the episode we do talk about um, sexual violence as well just so that you're aware that that is going to be um, some parts of the episodes are going to discuss these issues and um, just so that you're forewarned um, and yeah it gives you some some um, awareness before you you dive into this it's also a quite long episode um so we talk for just about just under three hours so um buckle up yeah what we will also say as well is since we recorded the episode there have been some updates so right now there is a fascist movement um taking over the center of glasgow there have been racialized attacks there have been abuse there have been people have been beaten up so what we would say is you know be safe if you're going out make sure you don't go out alone try and avoid george square unless you're if especially if you're on your own um it isn't safe out right now and to our understanding the police aren't really protecting people um so yeah everyone just stay safe and yeah we love you and um i hope you I don't want to say enjoy the episode because it's not maybe not the most enjoyable one, but I hope you gain something from the discussion. Hello and welcome to the twenty-second episode of Empire and Negress. Hello. And we have our Negress. Hey. So we are going to start the podcast off with a silence for the people protesting and the black people and the people of colour who have died at the hands of police brutality. So Sakai, what have you been up to? Uh, um, I've been kind of just doing a lot of... um yeah a lot of things there's been there's been grieving there's been um sleeping lots of naps lots of um baths lots of just making space for healing through this um moment because we're in a global pandemic but we're also in the middle in the midst of an a pandemic that's been going on for centuries which is um white supremacy and racism it's something that we deal with every day as black people and um also people of color deal with it but for black people it's extremely pronounced it's a very different thing and we we expect these things to happen at this point like we've been we've been aware that it doesn't stop just because the world stops for a pandemic doesn't mean that people are going to stop killing black people and it's been maybe a couple of weeks ago when um, the stories came in about um, Ahmed Aubrey and the horrible killing. Um, I thought that would have been, I thought that would have erupted people more because of the way that it was done 
by these random men, you know, these like these vigilantes, these white supremacists, not jobs, who just decided that they wanted to kill someone. And then it, the story came and came by and went, you know, and then we had um we had several other deaths that happened in the middle of that, and then George Floyd happened. And I think the reason maybe that it ignite, ignited so much fury and um, such a huge response is actually maybe because of the way he died and the way that it, it brought up horrible memories of Eric Garner and because there's this eight minute long video um, and yeah, it's almost like there's just an understanding that um, you can be killed in broad daylight by a police officer in America if you're black and that no one will be able to help you. No one will be able to stop it happening. And that, you know, because of the justice system that is in place there, there doesn't seem to be any resolution usually. So there's, so of course it ignited another huge protest. And obviously what it also brought to the fore is a conversation around um, policing in general and whether whether we need that kind of um, system in place anywhere in the world and the conversations around police, police brutality for black people globally started to come into the fore as well and when I was in Brazil um, last year there's like stories about children being like murdered by police left right and center like it happens on a daily basis there in the UK it happens all the time and during this pandemic it's like we're hearing about police brutality but we're also he hearing about the fact that black people and other people of color are dying at higher rates to this virus as well and and then it starts to bring forward all these conversations around systemic racism and it's so 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 vital that people start to understand how we got here and um, so I think that yeah what I've been doing is I've been processing and I've been doing a lot of um a lot of work you know there's so much work that's constantly being done there's such a labor Mm -hmm. existing visibly and publicly as a black person people are phoning me all the time texting me all the time messaging me all the time I've got the BBC phoning me every day asking me to do interviews with them I've got and I'm not saying this is like some like hot shot or anything this is literally just the BBC have me on file as someone that they like to talk to about things and it's usually when they need a black voice and so I've just I was getting phone calls every day and voicemails left and all that and usually at a different time I might I might be like yeah okay I'll, I'll jump on but right now it feels like do you not know any other black people in this whole country are you not going to try and engage and engage with anyone else and then I found out on Twitter that that's the case like every black person that has any sort of platform that speaks in any way about this stuff is being bombarded by the press <laughs> where we're going through this grief and then it's on all over social media and all the stuff that happened on instagram with like the blackout thing and then it's it's just i don't turn my phone off and people say this to me like 
turn your phone off. It's that simple. And it's not that simple because I'm someone who's, who is part of a community where I care about the people that I'm, I um, spend time with. I have family members who ha I'm concerned about because of the pandemic. So I don't turn my phone off in case they need to, to contact me. I don't turn my phone off because I have friends who have, are dealing with mental health um, issues and, and, and who have stated I will be available for you no matter what time of the day or night. And I'd say this because I truly, truly mean it. I don't want to ever be finding out that someone tried to call me and they couldn't get through and something happened to them. So there's always that. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm prioritizing my community. So if someone wants to phone me and have a two, three, four, five hour conversation, if another black person needs that space, I'll give them that space. Mm -hmm. So I've been nonstop. I've been non-stop calling, texting, responding to things on uh, Facebook, Instagram, um, reading black Twitter like crazy, watching TikToks for a wee break, but then TikToks also like engaged in it. Mm -hmm. uh, what I've been doing is a huge question, do you know what I mean? It's like, for the last two weeks, I've felt like I've been just overwhelmed by all of it and um, I can't speak for all black people I can only speak for myself but we are all like exhausted like drained like to the point where <laughs> it's not even just about being tired it's not about fatigue in your body or in your in your mind it's actually more like a like an existential like fatigue because the world seems to just have no space for us so yeah, that's my long-winded and rambling answer to that question. I, I wanted to ask you just like from your perspective as a white person, how this whole situation has been feeling for you? Well, it's mostly been, it's been, I, would, I don't know if it's necessarily been, it's, it's a strange one because in some way there's like a, um, a level of, I suppose, um, distance from it as a white person. Um, but I suppose like it's kind of also been eye-opening in terms of it's gave me a bit of insight into how exhausting it must feel to be a black person in 2020. I mean, not even in 2020, I'm sure from the womb, <laughs> um, even just being engaged um engaged with um you know content that specifically addresses um or contributes towards the black lives matter movement for i mean very in a, in a very intense way for the last for the last um couple of weeks yeah. you know and watching you know black bodies you know die at the hands of police brutality and and then I find myself like getting really upset and crying. And then it kind of reinforces that this isn't new. Mm. You know, it's just something that I'm hyper-focused on at this very specific moment. But I suppose for black people that is, has always been the narrative and that has always been happening. And I think when I start to think about that, I then, yeah, I think more just on a um, 
like from the perspective of like an ally it just kind of opens my eyes up to, as to yeah I suppose just how exhausting it must feel um and even I was kind of telling you recently um like you know before we started recording that um you know I've been speaking on gay dating apps about the issues like I, I put my name is Black Lives Matter on Grinder specifically. Um, and because I didn't really see anyone talking about it on there, obviously it's like essentially a hookup app, but I'm like, well, we're all, you know, on lockdown. That isn't, you know, this is, that is, people can't do that just now. I'm sure they still are, but people can't do that just now. So I may as well, if I'm going to be on this platform, I may as well have some sort of like, symbol of like allyship to the movement or just some visual reminder so I put that as my name and then just the amount of messages that I was I was getting you know along the lines of like all lives matter and all of these like just like really toxic things and I was trying to be like really patient I was trying to have conversations with people and offer them resources and you know just try to effectively like change their minds um, and I'll, I'll give them the space to like learn the the inf- the sources that they use are well they're effectively owned by people that are either racist or benefit from racism. So trying to have these conversations with people and just realizing that I wasn't getting anywhere, having you know just like really inflammatory messages, people calling me stupid, and just like pulling up like um bits of information that like aren't useful they'll start talking about looting or um they'll start talking about like some people were like talking about like black on black crime and how those figures are really high and then i would like disregard that and like offer information about that and then you know like all of the sources they would use just like didn't make any sense they weren't relevant to what i was saying and after a while i was like this is actually making me feel sick like so sick because after like hours of feeling like you're getting nowhere with people so I ended up like deleting like all all like um like dating apps because I was just like I don't have like the mental capacity to do this when I know that there's no destination like there's no way that these people are listening to me I'm not getting anywhere with them they're not going to change their mind um or at least I'm not equipped to do that right now so I ended up like disengaging and I think just like that whole experience of like you know, trying to actively be not just like an ally, but also like anti-racist and contribute to, um, contribute to like attempt to like, you know, contribute to the Black Lives Matter movement in a way that's like active and not just, you know, I'm not specifically racist. So trying to engage with that and do that in a very um, focused way has kind of opened my eyes up just to how fucked up the world is and how racist the world is and how, you know, how deep systemic racism runs everywhere within the queer community, within every, everything, within everything. So I think I knew that already to an extent from conversations we've had and just from like engaging in um podcasts um like or engaging in black culture i already had some sort of understanding as to like all of these things but i just think like seeing it 
in such an like uh, a concentrated way. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's been very eye opening. Yeah, I think like it's it's just very strange, isn't it? When you kind of when you're confronted with it, because um, I think that's the thing about like what what people are kind of getting at with like white privilege a lot of the time when people don't get what we mean it's that like it's not always in your face so you don't even though you might see it or be aware of it like because because you've been aware of it for a long time like you've we've talked about it many many times but because you're not living it on a daily basis it's just not in your face in the same way mm-hmm. and I think it's very interesting and we talked about this before as well like how within the LGBTQ community, there's also this issue of like white cis male, right? Like white cis male yeah. gays who just don't want to change. And it's frustrating because it's like, they're tearing down their their own community. They don't even realize how much they're affecting mm-hmm the um experience of everyone else within their community because when they decide that they don't want to engage with trans people when they say they don't want to in- engage with with femme uh, gay people that's one thing but then when they're also just like we don't want anybody that doesn't look like us at all to have um agency and a life we want to fuck them <laughs> but we don't want them to have agency or a life mm-hmm. and it's just this really strange like thing of um how certain people from groups that um are also oppressed wear like the, the supremacy of um of of like their they wear their white supremacy or they they wear their privilege in whatever way that they they have it um i mean we all have it within all of our communities there are people who are just actually not even though they're part of our community they're just not really for us do you know what i mean Mm-hmm. Um, but for you to be finding it like to be like so so concentrated um, on grinder, and it's also it's just this thing of like people just not wanting to be bothered. It's like this is my this is my space where I can just like not engage with what's going on in the world. So why are you coming in here with your politics? You know, well, I, I think that on some level, while I don't necessarily agree with it, I would get that. Like, I understand that these things are, like, the conversation, like, recognizing your privilege and recognizing that you actively benefit from slavery, from colonialism, from all these horrible, dark things that are so embedded in our societal framework, like, acknowledging that and acting in accordance to that as far as, like, trying to offer whether you can necessarily offer like financial reparations or whatever whether it's emotional or like just offering your voice to the community that is difficult so I get it I can understand like I don't like I said while I don't agree with it I get it I can understand that it's difficult to engage with these things and to acknowledge it and to understand it but these people it wasn't even just like they were choosing to like I wasn't messaging them I wasn't engaging with them I just had it on my profile I just had Black Lives Matter on my profile and they felt so bothered by that like they felt so like they they felt strongly enough that they had to start messaging me like no all lives matter and then I would try to have a conversation well like 
or like Black Lives Matter is just a statement. It's not saying Black Lives Matter only. Like you would be insane to think that as a white person within the context of society that you are not considered to matter. That is such a crazy thing. And it's such a weird argument though, isn't it? It's the biggest straw man argument in relation to the to this whole entire conversation. It's like people come up with protest slogans all the time and that particular slogan is the perfect slogan to express what we're talking about. We're not talking about police brutality, we're talking about black lives. So like it extends way past just police brutality. It, it extends to um, the, the review of COVID-19 cases in the black community. It extends to um, the ways that um, black indigenous people who are having their land ripped away from them or, um, are affected in different parts of the world. It, affects um how culture is is ripped away from people which is also part of our lives it affects like the rates of black women who are dying in childbirth in america it like it's actually all part of it so whenever we say black lives matter we're not just talking about police brutality we're talking about so many other things mm. and and the police brutality is a focal point but we wouldn't be able to talk about deaths like um that like the ones that have happened to like people like Ahmed Aubrey who was not killed by police he was killed by random vigilantes who just decided that they wanted to, to kill someone one day so the conversation is much bigger than people want to accept and it's convenient for these white guys on Grindr to um it would be more convenient for them to ignore by the way it, like you yeah. say, like, why are they coming to you? But like, it would be more convenient for them to ignore. But they need to assert themselves and assert their white supremacy to you to be like, how dare you come into this space and tell me this shit? Um, and, and they're using this nonsense thing that they, they know is not the point of Black Lives Matter. Everyone that says all lives matter, no, they're just trolls. They want to they want to incense you. <laughs> they don't want, they're not here for a conversation. Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, like, it's, it's a difficult one because there's the actual stories themselves. Like, for example, today it's the 6th of June and it would have been Breonna Taylor's 27th birthday. And it's just very just really, really difficult to even um, imagine what it feels like to know that, to know that you're like, yeah, to know that you're gonna have to always have more names coming up, you know? Mm -hmm. I remember at the, <clears throat> at the, um, the first Beyonce gig I went to, which was the one for the um, formation tour, and it was, it was in Glasgow and they, basically the, the crowd decided to keep on shouting and making noise when Beyonce put the, the big massive list of names of people who'd um, been killed in police brutality in, in America. <clears throat> I, think, I think it was that year alone. I don't know if it was the whole list from like three or four years, but I think it was like from that year or a couple of years. And like... I realized just how racist the society I was, I'm living in is because 
people paid good money for this black woman and her her band and her black dancers and all of the black people that are employed by her they paid good money for them to entertain them but they didn't give a fuck what she was saying mm-hmm. and it was just like wow why are you here <laughs> yeah it's like people want to pick and choose they want to like they want to like embody blackness they want to consume black culture when it suits them but they don't want to engage in black issues and yeah they will separate beyonce as best as they can from her message so that because it's just i suppose it's like yeah they yeah they obviously just don't give a fuck that's not why they're there they just want to it's 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 effectively exploitation because what you're doing is what they're doing is they're they're just picking and choosing blackness when it suits them they might get fillers put into their face and their lips done to like try and embody blackness because it's considered you know beautiful within society right now but when it comes to listening to black people speak up about the like the issues that they face about systemic racism about police brutality about all of these things they'll just disengage because and so many of the people in the crowd were these same like like white cis fucking gay men who are telling you to shut the fuck up like so many of those people would have been at that beyonce gig dancing their arses off with fucking cornrows in their hair acting like pricks but actually the reality of the situation is it's like when it comes down to it, they're just not ready to have the conversation. And I was like, wow, like, I am alone here. I was alone, you know, I was with, I'd gone with white people who I didn't know well, and I had been harassed the whole time I was there anyway. But anyway, not to even just go back to that as a, because that memory was already pretty fucking shit, but just, it was so embarrassing, you know, to be from Scotland, to be from Glasgow. That was the most embarrassing moment, like when we just failed as a um, as a city to engage in the right way. So sometimes I think about it like these moments are actually it's indicative of the racism that is in so many cultures across the world. Um, and I guess we'll like we'll get on to kind of like a deeper analysis of like systemic racism at some point. But um, do you want to like move on to like the next points? Yeah. So I think one thing I kind of wanted to touch on. So obviously, in light of um, George Floyd's death, there have been protests throughout the entire world. Um, there have been a ton of them happening around the UK. We've seen that some were planned to happen in Scotland I think at least the ones in Glasgow have all been cancelled because it isn't I think what we're starting I don't I think it could be for a number of reasons but obviously it's right now we're in the middle of a pandemic the way that England like well effectively the British government are handling the pandemic is different to the way that the Scottish government are handling it so I think effectively think people in Scotland are taking it a little bit more seriously than they are down south um so, but it's it's one of those things like I think one thing that, um, yeah, so 
in America anyway, um, specifically, we see all of these protests happening and they start off peaceful. And then there's all of these clips of um, police just like tear gassing the crowds, shooting them with rubber bullets, like effectively. And then they'll manipulate the protest and act as though it was like violent, as if as if the protest started off with all this looting and stuff, which that's another conversation. Like looting, I just, it isn't equivalent, it doesn't, it's not the same as killing people. It's not like if, if, as far as I'm concerned, if, and this isn't even necessarily what's happening, a lot of the people that are looting aren't even necessarily the protests, uh, protesters. A lot of them are actually just people that are taking advantage of it. But even if the protesters were looting, that is not, as far as I'm concerned, that's not that big a deal. It's fucking stuff. It's not people's lives. And if the people looting were black people, as far as I'm concerned, they have every fucking right to. These streets were built by slaves. America's wealth, Britain's wealth was is, was founded on colonialism. So as far as I'm concerned, they have every right to fucking burn the buildings down. But mm. what we see is like now, especially the way that um, America is dealing, and obviously they have, um, it's being handled differently depending on the state. But we see all these protests happening. And now a lot of states are having curfews as well, where people are being told effectively they have half an hour. I know this happened in New York. So they were basically told, I think it was like just that it was after 7 p.m. And they were told that they had to be in their house by 8 p.m. And if they weren't, they could be arrested. Now, at this point, things like Uber, a lot of taxis, like people couldn't get taxis, people couldn't get Ubers. So unless you actually lived within a 30 mile radius, like a 30 minute radius of your house, like you were effectively like at risk of being arrested. Obviously, a lot of the people there as well um, so I was listening to um, a discussion between um, two drag queens. One of them's um, Peppermint, a trans woman, and the other is Bob the, Bob the Drag Queen. They're both like very um, prolific online. They regularly um, like discuss things like intersectionality and whatnot. Um, and they've had like a lot of really good discussions about this recently. Um, and they were basically like saying like some of the people that were there were like trans, obviously a lot of people there would have been black and for like say a trans person that's at these protests to then find out they've got half an hour to be in the house or they are effectively at the mercy of a police force that are proven to be like inherently racist are proven to be inherently transphobic they are then at the mercy of the police potentially detaining them exploiting them arresting them and whatnot it's like watching all of this unfold in America and it's just like what in the 1984 is fucking happening right now it's just so insane yeah oh, just and yeah like the, the images of the protests for me like I've engaged with the same imagery as everybody else and I find it quite interesting that like again it's it's creating um it's a non-argument right Whenever there's any sort of civil unrest, there's always going to be, there's always going to be looting. Like we, we're actually like really lucky that the pandemic didn't cause looting. I don't know how the fuck that happened, but they, I think they got everybody inside quick enough to avoid that shit, right? But like we've seen images of like white people having 
not protests, not even protests against any any horrendous um, oppressive system, but like having a hockey game and having their team win and they wreck their entire town. And that's acceptable. Nobody fucking, well, not to say nobody bats an eyelid, but it's not as if that was condemned as a terrible fucking thing. And then we had protests just recently, the most recent protests that we had, which were nonsensical, protesting a fucking pandemic. People were walking, white people walking around with fucking massive guns. Untouched, unscathed. Not a single person was, a, was touched. And in front of me sitting here, like comparing the two, do you know what I mean? It's like, I saw, I saw businesses that were being burned down and things like that. And I thought the wealth of the country of America is built on the backs of slavery. You haven't paid reparations to the descendants of enslaved people. You haven't created a system of justice that makes them feel safe. They are more than perfectly reasonably like um, allowed to do whatever the fuck they want to all your shit because they built their 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 ancestors built the shit right. Smash it to pieces. I saw Star Starbucks on on fire, and I was like, Starbucks doesn't pay tax anywhere <laughs> to anyone. Let it burn. Yeah, they're stealing from everyone. <laughs> They're looting everyone. They're the ones who are looting us. And the thing about it is capitalism is, has been created from slavery. Capitalism couldn't exist as a system without the legacy of, of white supremacy and colonialism. So when we, even if we are responding to um, the system that we are being oppressed by, by smashing shit up, it's it's perfectly reasonable like people say like hit them where it actually hurts hit them in the pocket I, w I, w I would say demonstrations and protests are one thing but I would prefer that we make it make their entire economy collapse which already is collapsing make it collapse more it like completely dismantle the capitalist system that's what we're supposed to be doing right now I don't know what the fuck anybody if, if we're like expecting a significant change we actually need these places to burn we need their we need their structures to physically and substantively collapse but that's too much for people when, there's so many people that i know who are like you know socialists and all the rest of it like white socialists who are given it fucking revolution this revolution that every two minutes and if if that's if they really believe in a revolution then you're looking at it you're looking at the beginnings of something that could spring up into one support us support black people to dismantle the systems that are oppressing everybody yeah you know but, that's how i feel about it but then at the same time it's like people need to understand the system first they can actually need to understand what it is before they can even tackle it and if you really believe that um it's just a, a personal thing like just we're just emotional about something that doesn't actually um really matter or it's not really that it, it's 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 a non it's a non-question then you really don't understand how the world works you know mm -hmm. so 
yeah. I don't even know. I think I went off on a tangent. No, my, no, that makes me sense. Like when you, <laughs> when you were saying that, like whether directly or indirectly, the systems that oppress black people and black people, like obviously to like a, a completely different degree, degree and in a much bigger way, but the same systems are also the systems that are oppressing poor people and are also oppressing queer people. Like they are all the they are all the same system. So if we dismantle the system, then we also dismantle the things that are oppressing these poor people that are not, or these white socialists or whatever that feel like they aren't being seen within capitalism. They feel like their voices aren't being heard. All of these things. If we dismantle that system, then that also contributes to their well-being. So whether or not they're doing it for the sake of, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement or for Black people specifically, which they should be as human beings on this earth. But if that isn't their motivations, then do it for yourself. Do it for your own reasons. But ultimately, the system is broken and needs to be dismantled. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it's funny though because it's like people don't know what it looks like. They don't know what the dismantling of the system looks like. It kind of looks like a lot of things. Mm -hmm. There's a physical component. There's also a philosophical component. You've got to actually be prepared to lose something. And it's not just something. You have to be prepared to lose quite a lot of things. Um, in order for all of us to be free, you can't just keep on allowing a whole massive population of people all around the world to not be free. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, it's really irritating that um, we have to keep on almost like, it's like a foundational thing. You've got to start from, from the very, very bones of it. And the amount of times that people used to say to me, everything's not about race. And it's like, the more you learn about the history of this world, you, the more you know that it, everything literally is about race. It's not, even, it's not even funny how much it's about race. So um, should we just move on to our first sponsor? Yes, we shall. So while we usually do our little fake sponsors for the podcast, we thought just in light of everything that's happening, we thought it'd be a good time to lift up and promote some Black-owned businesses. So it's almost like we're actually doing sponsors, except they're giving us no money. We're just supporting them. And, um, and they're all actually businesses that we use and enjoy. So... So yeah, so, so we'll move on to the first one. Do you want to kick it off, Sakai? Yeah, um, maybe about like last week or something like that, we were chatting about how we can find uh, Black-owned businesses that we can support. And I'm always looking for like new places to get um, hair stuff. So I was already kind of doing a wee bit of a hunt around um, online for UK business Black-owned businesses that I could support. Um, and then you put me on to this uh, company called Arike or Arike. They basically make a body butter and a hair butter and soap. And it is like so good. Like we both actually ended up buying um, some and we've actually tested some of it. So I think you've tested more things, I think, than I have. Yeah. Um, I've just had the hair butter. 
So I was looking, yeah. So it looks like she, yeah, she's got quite a few things. She's got, um, yeah, she's got some hair butters and she's got the two soaps and the two, she's got a body butter, a hair butter and the two soaps. So I went for the hair butter, which we both went for. And I also went for the Carrick and Turmeric soap. I've already, I've already tried both of them out and love them both. But with the soap, I was actually looking at the ingredients in it. And um, I was thinking um, that oh, it's the, I think it's designed for like lightening skin pigmentation. So you can tell it's more geared specifically towards like um, people with darker skin tones. But I actually thought even for white people like myself because it's got those like brightening effects okay how how do i say this <laughs> um so for the gay men um you could use it or actually women as well um you can use it in your um your areas if you wanted to say rejuvenate some so <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's doing a disservice to the soap but that is something you could use it for um just because you've got things like um, carrot seed oil in there, you've got lavender and lemon. So it's all like quite gentle, but it's all like a lot of it's really brightening. And um, yeah, so I've tried it, tried and tested. And I can say that my asshole is looking terrific. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it was so funny when we got on this call. Like the first thing I said was like, you're looking radiant today. And then you're just like, my asshole is also looking great. <laughs> <laughs> Well, do you know what? I've actually, I've used, like, yeah, I've used the soap and I've used the hair butter and my hair feels amazing. My skin does actually feel really great. I didn't use it on my face. I think I'm just really sweaty. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and um, I was actually like, you know, I've worked in skincare for like three, three years now. Yeah. Not now, but I have in the past. And I know loads about skincare. And when I was looking through all the ingredients, like it's a really good value for money. But she, she's also using like really good, um, really good ingredients. So I'm just, yeah. um, so on Instagram, you can find them at Arike underscore organics. So that's spelled A-R-I-K-E underscore organics. We'll link it all. Um, and yeah, like I said, on the website, you're getting body butters, hair butters, um, and, and soaps soap. as well. Yeah. Right. So I think, so I messaged them one day. And they mm -hmm. said that they have it available, but sometimes the website automatically will just say it's sold out if they've sold so many. I think right, right. now I've noticed their followers, even since I've been following them, has gone up like 200. So I think yep. they must be, um, they're, I think they're like getting a little bit busier just because they've been spotlighted um, a few times. So, um, but if you, it might be worth just messaging them and saying like, you know, do you actually have it in stock? And the likeliness is she will have it in stock. I'm assuming, I'm pretty sure it's a woman um, that owns the business. I mm -hmm. could be wrong. Um, there's a few pictures on the page, but that might just be people using the products. Yeah, it looks like yeah. it's just, um, but yeah, I was messaging them and um, yeah, they were just saying, yeah, like we had, we just have to update the website. Um, there should be some tomorrow. So it's worth, it's worth giving them a message if anything's sold out. Definitely. I'll, I'll get in touch with them because they've got a few other things that I can see on their website, but maybe aren't not on this right Instagram that are maybe not on the website as well. So I'm going to definitely get in touch and see what else I can get. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, this is the thing. Like, I always want to like be supporting black owned businesses anyway, but like this is like kind of put me 
back on track with that because what I tend to do is like once I have something that works Mm -hmm. I just stick to it and I don't budge from that so I've had like R&B from Lush has worked for me for like three years and I've just like not needed to buy any more hair products or anything Mm -hmm. so like that's kind of stopped me from like you know doing the hunting that I used to do when I was always trying to find something that works so um yeah I'm definitely gonna get back into it and also for skincare as well I need mm-hmm. somewhere I, somewhere else I can get bath bombs from. Yeah, well, it's not. Yeah, because right, I I think right now as well. Yeah, it's better to just even support smaller businesses anyway. Right now, just because I mean, yeah. even whenever I go to the health food shop, I'll tend to try and get more of my weekly shop from there rather than say Tesco or whatever. But I was back to the products here as well. What I was going to say is, with while you can tell a lot of these products have been specifically formulated for um like sort of thicker hair um so you can tell she's designed it with black hair in mind but what i will say is every hair product i've ever used for bleached hair has also been like you know sort of thicker um good for dry hair so if people even have like you know just like bleached hair or damaged hair what you'll tend to find is um it'll also just be like really good for your hair as well um so yeah would highly recommend or even if you're just wanting something that's like really conditioning and you could like use it as almost like a treatment so it's one of those things that like all of her products and and i feel like everyone could use i'm gonna go i'm gonna go crazy and just buy like hundreds of stuff from them but like (laughs) i need to calm down (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah i know i was actually thinking maybe we should be those little um beauty vlogger bitches and like actually upload like a little thing onto the ffn thing it was like trying it out um mm-hmm. or like yeah we'll, we'll maybe do like a post on the actual like offend thing of it because i'm actually like a massive fan of the products having only used them twice so and what i will say is the soap um is like i buy lush soaps quite a lot and i find the soap that i bought from her actually less drying mm-hmm. than the lush soaps so not to at lush but i would actually say it's of better quality and it was only five pounds amazing which for like a small business and i'm pretty sure delivery was like free so i think i only spent like 19 pounds for the hair butter and the soap including delivery which i just think is like really really reasonable when you look at all the ingredients so so yeah so that is yeah our first black owned business of this episode um, yeah. Go and check out Enrique underscore organics. I'm sorry for saying that wrong. It sounds like Enrique Iglesias has gone into like skincare, um, <laughs> <laughs> but he has not, to my knowledge. Mm. Um, so yeah, go check them out. We'll link them everywhere. talking about what it looks like um, and there's been loads of discussions about this online and people have you know I've been reading a lot of diff- like um, resources on effectively a policeless state and like what that looks like and it's mm. not literally like a policeless state but it's this idea of like defunding the police like removing a lot of their power and like placing it more in the hands of like the community and people yeah. that are like effectively elected officials within communities it's not just like the police which when you actually think about what the police represent 
and like what they actually function as mm-hmm. it's like really weird it's like they are these rogues within society that can effectively say do and act in any way that they want and i mean to actually get a police officer arrested is very difficult and to have them be held accountable is very difficult like when you look i mean we had um we had um uh george floyd's like the person who actually uh, like murdered him has been arrested and has now been arrested for a second degree murder and the you know the four people in total that were involved have all been arrested but when you look at what had to happen for that to happen you know it's like the entire world is currently in protest yeah we know that it wouldn't have happened without the the global protests um global protests um and (laughs) it's funny because it's like there's a lot of there's a lot of uh performance happening in, in, in shows of, of support that I don't know if I can believe. I, I'm going to say it like this, okay? It's America that we're talking about, right? And the response, some of the responses have been quite exciting, like, oh, they're like going to start uh, defund the police and, and not defund, but like they're going to move, allocate, reallocate funds from the police and put them into the community in Los Angeles. Like the mayor's, mayor's made a commitment to do that. What, what's not in those articles that say that, because I, I posted one of them on my Facebook, is that he's allocating 250 million, which is a major amount of money for most people because that's a huge amount of money, but it's a budget of 3 billion. Yeah, well, that's what I was about to say. Um, Los Angeles, I, I looked into that as well. And when I read that, I was like, oh, that's a lot of money. And then I looked into it and I was like, no, their, their entire budget is like, and also that budget has been raised from last year. So yeah. that that difference is already accounted for. It's not they are not being like actually defunded. Just some of those funds are being allocated elsewhere, but it isn't going to affect them. No. So like, and also they've militarized the police in America. People like are acting as if this is just a like a of you know local police issue. They've militarized the police. They've made them into effectively um america is looking like a a war zone yeah like there's a civil war happening but nobody's actually saying it out loud and like trump was declaring martial law last week do you know what i mean that there's effectively something that we something that i've been thinking might happen for some time since trump came into um power was that there was going to be a civil war in America. But I think we're watching it happen and nobody's like, it's not been, a, a, do you know I mean? It's not been made official. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like very strange, like how they keep on, they brought the National Guard out for this protest. They brought, um, they actually brought the military into some of the states as well. Um, there's all sorts of, and technically, the tear gassing is a war crime, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they're just doing it willy nilly to their citizens left, right, and center. Um, so, yeah. And these rubber bullets that they're using, they're mm-hmm. saying that they're harmless, but they're only harmless if they are shot at the ground and deflect. But some of the police officers are straight up just shooting people. Like, they can 
actually kill people, those bullets. Yeah. They're not it's like... point-blank range. Yeah, it, it can fully just kill people. And like, there's you see these clips of people like being stretchered out of protests. There was, I, I seen this clip from the, was it the, yeah, the protest, it was in Michigan. Mm-hmm. So, and there was one, there was um, this like um, white woman had been like, obviously like I don't know if she'd been tear gassed or shot and she like couldn't walk and then there was like two black people holding her on a stretcher and running her out and then there was like a reporter a reporter was set like had seen this happening and the reporter it's actually so strange to see honest reporting Mm -hmm. I think we're so I'm so hyper aware of how manipulative our our media are and like within britain within the u.s with across the entire world but to actually see a reporter saying you know this was a peaceful protest and the police fully just started shooting at people and fully just started tear gassing people to see it like happen in such a brutally honest way and them to just say this is happening right now like the government the police have just turned on the people and they've been told to do that it was just but this is the type of stuff that the US presidents for years and years and years have condemned uh, African presidents for doing. This is the exact same shit. Yeah. Shooting at your citizens. Like, it's the same stuff. And it's like, um, another thing that um, has been kind of coming to my attention around this whole, like, um, conversation about um about the police in general is that now that we're having the conversation right we have to have it everywhere so we're having it in scotland and i've noticed there's a lot of virtue signaling happening now from the police in scotland as well so like there's a the police in air in ayrshire um did a, a protest against police brutality which is oxymoronic, I think the word would be. Um, they knelt in front of their like building and um, got taken. The a photo was taken of them, and they were like put in local paper, and it was just like Ayrshire police show support. Now, as a black person who is aware of Ayrshire's prolific history in relation to the transatlantic slave trade in Scotland. <laughs> and someone who just doesn't, doesn't trust police, period, and will always say fuck the police, even if they're being nice to me <laughs> in my head. <laughs> I'm like, it's, it's interesting. It's just an interesting gesture because it's like, if you really believe in what you're doing, if you really believe that um, that there's a problem here, just stop wearing the uniform. Mm-hmm. Design. I, 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 I don't. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to see. Like we're gonna have protests in Glasgow tomorrow, and the police are probably gonna be doing loads of nice things, nice little gestures, and I don't fucking care. <laughs> like. You're a police person. I don't fucking care. You're you're part of the problem. Let's just not do that. Let's let's just not give them 
um, room to pretend because over in America, what they're, what they're doing in the protests is actually, have you, have you heard these stories about how the police are literally like befriending people in the crowd and yeah. doing these long, like long, like speeches about how the, how this is our community and, and, and the police are here for you and la 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 la. And then like literally turning around and, and, and tear gassing them like two minutes later. Yeah. The, same the thing is, I, I, I've seen someone posting about this, but I've seen loads of, um, like, people saying things, like, because obviously a lot of people right now are putting everywhere, like, all cops are bastards. And I think when people say that, what they don't understand, we're not saying that individuals within the police are bastards. What we are saying is the institution of the police is corrupt and if you are contributing to that you are a bastard so yeah. all cops are bastards yeah exactly so and it's like trying to explain that to people people are like but you know you you can't just like that's like because I've, I've even seen some people saying things like that's like generalizing about black people and i'm like is it is it <laughs> black people aren't an institution black people are people are a people they are not an institution and regardless of whether one specific police officer exhibits racist behavior or not, if they are contributing to the police, then they are contributing to problems of racism. So that is why all cops are bastards. And it doesn't even fucking matter if they're like, oh, you know, the good cop, bad cop shit. Like if they're good cop, you're watching bad cop be bad cop and you're not yeah. fucking doing anything about it. You're a complicit in, in every way. And by wearing the uniform, I don't give a fuck if you're in Scotland or if you're in Minneapolis right now, you are, you're in it with them. Yeah. So like, I, I don't want to hear it. Like I've had issues with the police before where I, I'm, I've never committed a crime in my life. I've never had a, a criminal record in my life, but I've had problems with the police not listening to me when someone was being racist to me engaging in racist behavior towards me and then doing this bullying fucking like intimidation game where i i as a fucking four foot eleven black woman had to stand there and like hold my own and try my best not to fucking freak out while these policemen were were trying to trying to rile me up and trying to create a response so that they could fucking arrest me. They wanted me to act a fool so that they could take me away. Mm-hmm. And all it was all all because I like went to a club and so I went to try to get into a pub that I'd already been in for like two hours. I wasn't drunk at all. I had friend. I was with a group of like 10, 15 white people who were all steaming. Like one, several of them were like actually staggering. And then I went out to have a cigarette, went to go back into the club and got told that I couldn't go back in because the the bouncer who was at the door was a racist bastard and didn't want me back in the premises. And then they called the police on me. I wanted to go back in and get get my stuff, which was inside the place. And I wouldn't have been able to leave without my bag, which had my phone in it and all of my things. And I couldn't even get to my friends to get my friends to go in and get my stuff. They, like, do you know I mean? they were not letting me even pass to go and get my things. And then he, they called the police on me. 
Yeah, and it's that position of power that white people, like white people that have those, like that are racist, know mm -hmm. that the system is in favor of them and will use that to their advantage. They know that the institution of the police is embedded with racism mm -hmm. and society in general is embedded in racism. So they know that in that situation that there's a power dynamic that they, that works in their favor and they will use that to their advantage to express their bullshit, like their racist bullshit. And because even the other day, I went, I went down to um, hand a friend something because, like, this is like obviously during quarantine and everything. My friend was wanting to, um, was wanting a guitar, and she was like, gonna see if she could buy one from someone. But I've got like four guitars in my house, and like, I don't play guitar. <laughs> Long story. Um, but so I was like, do you want one of my many guitars? And she was like, yeah, of course. So I like cycled down to her house and like went to hand the guitar to her but she was like putting her babies to, to bed and um I was standing outside luckily I was with Ventana so I was standing outside and there was this woman who was just walking her dog but she was like doing this like walking her dog in a weird pattern like pacing kind of way right. and like looking at me and Ventana's and then like looking at her phone and I was just like see if this bitch fucking calls the police on us I'm going to lose my mind mm -hmm. and I was I was just standing we were only standing there for like 10 minutes right wasn't dark it was like eight o'clock summertime Scotland so it wasn't dark and I was like just waiting for my friend to come out and I could hand her the, the guitar and I realized like this this woman is like she's making it clear that she's uncomfortable and she's holding her phone in a way that's suggesting that she's going to fucking call the police on me. But I was like, I'm not going to say anything. I didn't, I didn't even um, alert Antanas to this fact. I was just like sitting there kind of standing there, just kind of like hoping that she wasn't going to do it. Um, because I know a lot of people up and down the country have been calling the police on their neighbors. Yeah. And in particular, their, 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 their neighbors who happen to be people, people of color. And the arrests that have been taking place in this country during the period of, um, of lockdown have been mostly people of colour, obviously. And it's just this fucking, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's not just the police, it's, it's regular citizens that know how the system is set up um, and know that they'll be believed over the people of colour that they're, they're phoning the police on. Yeah. And I think even just in that, like we've like we've said, the fact that all of these things are in place, and even just the fact that in existing and just being black, that you can have some like overt erect um, sorry, I'm trying to speak, overt reaction to people in just existing suggests that the system is like creating that reaction within people. You know, this, it's, and, and that's why, you know, we need the police to be defunded. We need it to be, we need like the education curriculum to be completely, um, like to acknowledge black suffering and to acknowledge that white people caused it and to acknowledge like our, our, our contribution as white people to slavery to colonialism to all of these things like we need 
all of it to change. Yeah. So that like people's mindsets change as well. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to have to deal with that. This thing that I was, I know it's like actually really just, it's an everyday occurrence. And obviously I've not been experiencing it as much because I've been in my house for months. <laughs> the silver lining. It's hard. You know I mean? The silver lining of lockdown is I'm not having to like see your racism in my face. Like, <laughs> but um, the fact that it was so, like, it was probably one of the first times I'd gone further afield than just like the local shop or the Ma or Magdalene Green, right? Like, literally not that far outside my door. Um, twenty minute cycle. Do you know what I mean? And 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 someone's me, someone quite immediately made me know my place and that I think that's what it is as well it's like the knowing your place bit um the knowing that your place is essentially always going to be you're always going to be under scrutiny and mm -hmm. um, your existence is always going to be like a problem um so like it doesn't matter I've always I've always laughed at this because I know how tiny I am, right? Like, and so I, I, I just think it's like a joke at a certain point. Like, I'm really small <laughs> and people are really intimidated by me. And um, I always find it really strange because I'm not like Larry. I don't have like, you know, any of that kind of, I don't have like any bravado. I'm not like, I don't have like a masculine presence or anything like that. I'm not a dominant person. Um, and I'm four foot eleven, but I've actually said to so many like grown white men, especially like white cis straight men, who are like six foot four and shit. Like I've been like, why are you like? They've said to me like, oh my god, yeah, you're so scary or whatever. And I'm like, what are you scared of? Like, what are you actually afraid of? Like you're so massive and I'm so small and I'm vulnerable. I'm the vulnerable one here, but you're, you immediately have this fear or this, this issue and it's not coming from you. You know, it's not actually coming from you. It's coming from lessons that you've been taught. Someone told you this shit and it's not just someone, it's everyone. It's, the school that you went to, it's the university you went to, it's all of the, um, it's all of the spaces that you've ever frequented as a, as a white person. It's just everything. Like you're like, that's what I mean by like, when I was talking about how it's everything, um, like, yeah, it is everything. Do you know what I mean? Um, I found the title of the book just because it's important for what I'm about to kind of try and try and explain. You know, sometimes you're like, I'm going to try and explain this concept, but it's like, oh. So this book, Becoming Human by Zakia Iman Jackson, which I, I got recently. Now, I haven't actually read that much of the book. It's just um, some, a, a, it's a text that is kind of expanding on a point that quite a lot of um, black scholars have already made. And um, it's about how, we know that black people have been dehumanized, right? But it's almost like people say black people have been dehumanized and they don't actually understand what 
what it is. It's not just um, it's not just being made to be not human. The the underlying foundational principle of humanity is engaged in racism, right? Mm -hmm. Because when the concept of the human was being made, because we sometimes think that like humans have always existed, it's like not humans have always existed, but the concept of the human has always existed. And it hasn't. It it came into um existence during the the period um like during the enlightenment period and during the time when uh, they, they they started talking about like the like Darwin started speaking about like evolution and the origin of species, right? So at the same time as as white people were exploring and doing their colonial stuff, <laughs> they were meeting people from all around the world who they were exploiting and and stealing resources from, and in that time they had to make a case for the enslavement of black people or of Africans. So in, in the naming of black and white people and in the naming of, of all of us as human, they f fundamentally created the system of racism, mm -hmm. right? So you don't have the human without the, the other. So yeah. it's like the human, the, the human is a white man and every other type of person is the other to him, right? Mm -hmm. Even white women aren't necessarily accepted into their concept of human in that state, but not the, the, the real other that they, they always engage is, is the black person. You know, it's creating that duality and that polarity of black and white and then putting that philosophy onto people so i don't know if i explained it very well but like yeah, you did. no I, I i totally get where you're coming from and i think it yeah. is like yeah even just the way that our language and yeah when we're, we're talking about systemic racism even within our language yeah that idea of like language being inherently and um, like polarizing and like creating a separation between people and it's like, I suppose it's like, um, like in when de Beauvoir talks about, you know, the other sex. Yeah. He talks about women as being the other sex and how I suppose the same thing, because like, like you just said, even within this, white women aren't necessarily considered, you know, they are still the other. It's just, I suppose, when, when, we, when we talk about things like intersectionally, the further away from a white man that you get, the more alien they are, or the more other they are than the white man. And yeah. that's a system that they've built. Yeah. And this is the thing. So when, when people say, no, like everything isn't about race, they don't understand fundamentally what this, what this entire world is. <laughs> Yeah. What we, you know what I mean not this entire world but what this human world is it is a, a space that has been like co-opted by one particular type of person and this is why when, when people are given it like oh like white men are under attack this is the first time in 
modern history that white men have been scrutinized and told that the systems that they've created are not fit for purpose for everyone else. This is the first time they've, they've been told to leave the territories and they've been and, and that they inhabited that, that, that they uh, colonized they they've been told to fuck off but they didn't fuck off they didn't leave anywhere all of the places that um that europeans colonized are still paying debt to them and um, not ever have not ever actually been able to extricate themselves from the system because we are all almost everyone in the world is speaking English because of, of the British and their empire. Like we are all in this white world, regardless of where we live in the world. Mm -hmm. White supremacy has affected the whole globe, right? And so it's absolutely ridiculous to then suddenly expect people to forget the history that's fundamental to, to the, the, like, the world they're living yes. in there's a lot of conceptual stuff that, that goes into this and um, that I think um, a lot of black people are engaging with like really, really heavy texts that are explaining their condition written by black and white scholars. And, um, and I think that's the bit that people don't, aren't aware of as well. It's like, we're constantly doing this labor of, of, of reading and comprehension and uh, community organizing and um, engaging with whatever it is that we do. It doesn't matter what it is that we do. I have a friend who, who, is a, um, who, who roller skates and her roller skating, um, which would have been a hobby, which would have just been a nice thing to do in her spare time, is now engaged heavily in, um, in creating spaces for black people to be able to roller skate in peace. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, we can't have hobbies, okay? <laughs> we're not. <laughs> it just becomes a like a movement because <laughs> it's like <laughs> you're like co-opted to do that because it's like as soon as you do one thing, you realize even that space is plagued by racism. So you're like, okay, I need to create a space where that isn't happening. I suppose it's like in like with it with privilege, I guess comes complacency, like. Um, I suppose this idea that like obviously like now a lot of white people are a lot more engaged with you know black specific issues with everything going on and the f even the fact that people like being able to disengage from it and basically being able to being able to pick and choose whether or not you want to talk about it or whether or not you want to engage in it or contribute to it even having the choice as to whether you do or do not want to engage that is like that is white privilege i guess um and i suppose if you don't have the privilege to not engage because it is your very existence it's your survival it's how you make sense of the bullshit around you if you don't have the privilege to make that decision you're effectively forced to yeah like Go, like partake in this like labor of you know research of um trying to like shift conversations trying to like change people's minds trying to you know there's just like a labor in existing within systems of oppression 
if those systems are not in your favor it's not the same but i suppose it's like i sometimes think that if i wasn't queer i wouldn't i just think about how complacent i would be about so many things because i wouldn't need to care about them you know it's like when i whenever i used to try to explain like ideas of gender nonconformity to people that like wouldn't understand it it's because they don't need to you know it's like it doesn't affect them on a day-to-day basis but it's the thing to do as an ally or if you are friends with these people or if you respect them the idea is you make it your problem you know you you make it your issue and this is yeah it's it's nice to see that we were I'm, I'm hoping that this is like what we're seeing is the start of what could be a revolution I don't know if that's going to happen but I'm hoping that like this impetus is maintained and you know when we are all able to actually protest and you know demand change that it happens and I've seen you post on Facebook that you were disappointed with Nicola Sturgeon um because she hasn't like really done anything for the movement and I was one thing I was thinking is I feel like at this point like the Scottish government should be making a gesture within Scotland specifically, like every, like obviously we need systemic change across the globe within policy, within everything, but what we should be demanding from our government is like, like shifts in the systems in place to address these issues and whether it be introduce like things within our education system or within hospitals or within employment law, like obviously we've got like some bullshit like things that effectively call that you have to have like you know a percentage of black people like gay people blah 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 but we can see that these things aren't actually happening i think you're totally right like i actually think that the protests in scotland should as much as they're engaging with the the um, the protests that are happening in America and they're in solidarity of those, the main points that we should be making and the main the main um, pressure we should be putting on our systems and, and the people who are involved in building our society is actually about how they're going to reform things here so that the same sort of things don't continue to happen because people still to this day contest whether or not the police used excessive force. Um, and it's just this weird thing of being like, you're never going to admit that you can do the same things and that you're, you're, um, you're and the system of policing in itself um, allows for these things to happen, right? You're, you're, not, you're never going to accept that, that that's actually what you did just like what they do in America or just like they do in Brazil or anywhere else where black people get killed all the time. And because it's not, um, because the numbers aren't like as terrifying, doesn't mean that it's not something that we need to deal with here. And so um, I don't think anyone should be dying at the hands of police. I don't think anybody should be dying at the hands of a system that's supposed to be there to quote unquote protect them, which I don't believe it is. And so 
it's really funny because like in Scotland, everyone's apparently hates the police. Like as in like I was brought up in like a working class, um, you know, environment in Glasgow and the majority of people hated the police. But then all of a sudden people were fucking arguing with black people to tell them to shut up. It's like, but you all hated the police the whole time I was growing up. Anyway, yeah. besides the point. <laughs> like, um, but they're also not willing to like interrogate their own inherent racism. So they'll just like yeah. side with the police. Yeah, and, and I think I think the reforms that could happen really quickly and, and you know the point that you were making about me saying um me kind of talking about Nicola Sturgeon. So Nicola Sturgeon is an incredible leader. I love her to bits. I call her the Sturgeonator. I think she's brilliant, right? But I don't think I've really heard her talk enough about systemic racism in Scotland. Um I don't think she engages the issue anywhere near enough. She, she, she's quite good on certain policies and certain issues, but she just doesn't seem to ever want to properly engage it. And she has said that she's happy for the protest to go ahead as long as people are being safe and making sure that they are wearing um, protective equipment to, to avoid them, you know, getting, um, uh, you know, contracting the virus and things like that, right? So I understand that she says she's in solidarity, but when you call yourself an ally, I don't think anyone should call themselves an ally, by the way. I think the group that you're trying to be an ally to are the ones that get to decide whether you're an ally. But anyway, she says that she's an ally. And I think if she was an ally, which is what I said on Facebook, she would start the process immediately of defunding the police in Scotland. And, and, and moving money into specifically re-educating, not just educating children, but re-educating the population of Scotland on its legacy of slavery and colonialism. Uh-huh. And understanding how it's been involved in imperialist um, looting and robbing and killing and all the shit that all the other people that um, they condemn for the same stuff have been. Because, yeah, there's like a whole thing that I, I wrote about this the other day and it, because I was thinking about it, um, just how Scotland likes to, yeah, I posted it on Facebook as well, how Scotland likes to play the victim, but like literally doesn't, um, doesn't understand, like, or doesn't understand, but doesn't want to accept that they're they're involved as well. Um, I don't know, I've got it here. Yeah, so we get taught about the wars that um, that were fought between European countries, right? You know, the 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 wars that um, are foundational to our like history. So people talk about like how, uh, oh yeah, yield alliance, uh, France and uh, Scotland used to fight together against the English, this, that, and the third, right? Mm-hmm. But we don't ever get taught like why the the Europeans had these standing feuds and alliances, right? And the reason why they did and why they were fighting with their neighbours is because they were they were fighting over contested territories in the quote unquote New World in America, both of the Americas, and in um on the continent of Africa. So like the land that they were trying to claim and land that was inhabited by indigenous black and brown people. So they basically were fighting each other for centuries 
over who owned what parts of the world. But they always talk about these wars as if it's just about like, oh yeah, we just have a rivalry between England and Scotland and Scotland, not even England, Scotland, but like we just have this like thing with Scot with England and and they oppressed us and that's that's all that's about. Um one of my friends does a lot of um a lot of research on, on the history of slavery in Scotland and she found out that you know how the the um what do we call it the I wasn't sure because obviously what I, what I was thinking about when you were talking about that was when Scotland had the Darien project. Basically, that was um, when England was establishing itself. Well, England was establishing the British colony. Obviously, Scotland and England were not in union at this point. So, yeah. basically, as a way to like basically establish themselves as like a world empire, Scotland. Mm -hmm. established this thing called the Darien project where they effectively got all of these like rich investors to like invest in this project and then um went to I think it was like Virginia mm -hmm. and tried to establish a colony there yeah really interesting because the pro the project itself actually failed because they didn't realize that there were all these diseases um and like basically the, the land was inhospitable inhospitable it wasn't mm -hmm. like fit for purpose but when you um like on these lands, there were people living, there were indigenous people, black and brown bodies. But what mm -hmm. you never hear about when they talk about the failure of this project, it's always like taught as this like sad thing that happened where, you know, Scotland was like really ambitious and it was trying to like basically stand up against like evil England. But what people aren't really acknowledging is that what Scotland was trying to do was take ownership over land that was not theirs and yeah. they were contributing to the evil that was slavery. So it's even the way that things are taught to us. Yeah, it's always framed as if we're the victim of this, like this evil England that was doing all this stuff to everybody, and we were just, you know, swept up in it, and 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 we just were doing what the what we were told once we were part of an alliance with them. And I was just like, um, the reality of the situation is Scotland, like many other European countries, was trying to assert itself as a you know a global like imperialist power and failed to do so so joined with england to do it together that's the history mm -hmm. isn't it ridiculous that we like went to school and got taught that it was like some other story yeah. but people will people will definitely argue with this point because they've been taught a certain way and then they'll be like well you try to tell me that my history teacher was lying to us and la 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 and, and, and the, the reality is yes they were and, and the history teacher wasn't even necessarily wrong to be saying what they were saying because they were also taught that shit mm -hmm. so it's been embedded <laughs> in our education system like these lies have been embedded and embedded and embedded I'm not just I'm not ever saying that Scottish people didn't suffer any types of oppression. I'm not ever saying that um, the things that we can definitely point to, like the um, the Highland clearances didn't happen and shit like that. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the contributions to um, colonialism and imperialism and, and the transatlantic slave trade. And um, not to make this whole podcast a history lesson, but um, 
this post that one of my friends posted on Facebook was really interesting because it just kind of like takes something and puts it into perspective that um, a friend of mine who's been doing a lot of um, research on on Scotland, uh, oh, sorry, on on um, slavery, has told me about before. So um, basically. In 1833, the British government agreed to pay £20 million in compensation to slave owners for their loss of property. Yeah, it was called the equivalent. So, freed slaves were not awarded the money, but slave owners were. And the figure, that £20 million that the, or equivalent now, that figure was so huge in that time that it accounted for 40% of the national budget of the UK. So... Being such a huge number, it took a long time to pay that off, 182 years to be precise. That means that up until 2015, UK taxpayers were paying off the money given to former slave owners. That means you and I helped with our tax money to compensate slave owners from 182 years ago for their losses. That also means that descendants of slaves have also been paying to compensate the same people who enslaved their ancestors. Uh, That's the system we live in. That is. Well, that kind of says it all, doesn't it? So was, <laughs> was it, was it, so I'm just trying to understand it in case I'm confused. So yeah. it, was it that the English paid that to Scottish slave owners? Scottish slave owners, plantation owners who, who were from Scotland accounted for I think 15% of uh, of all plantations across the UK but they accounted for 15% overall overall of the British empire of, of, of the British um, plantation owners but they received the most compensation because they had the most plantations or not the most plantations but they had some of the most lucrative plantations and it would have been tobacco and it would have been in Glasgow tobacco, um, cotton, sugar, all the shit, like, so, you know, I, I live in Dundee, Dundee's, like, always known for jute and, like, all the shit, like, all the things that we think are good about our society We're are fundamentally on. fucked up, mm -hmm. like, and, and my, like, sorry, I'm gonna keep on saying my friend because I don't want to name her, but she told me, um, she pointed something out to me once, right? Because she's been doing so much stuff about slavery. Um, and she's kind of like my main source of information about this because whenever I try and read about it, Matthew, I freak out. <laughs> I can't cope. So she kind of like helps me out with a lot of it and I'm trying to do as much reading as I can. Um, basically, uh, think about the fact that you always see, whenever you see like films about slavery or whatever and reenactments of things, Enslaved people are always in chains and they're always like, right? But like, no one ever talks about like where the chains and stuff were manufactured. Never, no one ever talks about where the clothes the enslaved people were wearing was manufactured. No one ever talks about <sighs> so many of these things that are so important, right? And there's been, it's been recorded that there's a certain type of cloth that was being made in certain um, mills in Scotland 
which was called slave cloth, which was being sent to the plantations for enslaved people to wear. It's just things like that. Like there's just yeah, so much people embedded in our history. If there is, it just is so much deeper. Like the the rabbit hole is endless. Mm -hmm. And so if you like, if you focus on absolutely anything, um. God, even if you just start looking at plants, botany, anything, you get to colonialism. Mm -hmm. um, if you start looking at art, art's just riddled with um, the, the kind of um, the looting and stealing of other people's artifacts, which then inspired the white artists, which then made them geniuses because they were suddenly like these white guys who were like, who didn't know how to, um, who were only drawing in a certain type of style, like following like the Greeks and things like that, were suddenly um, making these inspiring, uh, <laughs> like innovative new styles, but they're actually just stealing yeah. from yeah. African African um, artifacts. It's just everything. And then, and then yeah. governments have the right to complain about looting when if you actually want to like talk about looting let's talk about the fact that like white people are stealing not just not just from the african continent when you look at every one of our museums but even mm -hmm. from the culture um it's like everywhere if you want to talk about looting let's talk about the fact that you know it's it's profitable and for a, a white person to embody blackness but it's not profitable or and marketable for a black person to embody blackness within you know a, a, a society that is racist and then you look at any one of our museums you look at the streets that were built on you look at the street names like mm -hmm. there was that video that went was on the bbc social of that um that woman like going around she was going around all the streets and just basically like every street name she would say it was this slave owner um like this is you know this name this street is named after this slave owner in his honor and it's just like every single street it's like and the monuments we've got all these monuments to all these fucking arseholes who were involved in um like either own plantations or 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 enslaved or or, or um colonized some some land somewhere mm -hmm. um Another thing as well is like in relation to the street names thing. Did you see the project that happened in Glasgow? I seen that there were like petitions and stuff going around, and I seen that they had got a lot of traction. But no, I don't know what is it. Well, it, yeah, it's basically a project. Oh God, this is the thing. I always like, like, remember, streets. I always yeah, I always remember a thing, but I can never remember the name of the people who are doing the thing. It's not as if whenever when we're um, doing this podcast, I'm ever like prepared. Um, <laughs> um, so many tangents that it's like, okay, we were talking about this thing, but now we're talking about like, you know, the Darien project in in you know seventeenth seventeenth or eighteenth century Scotland. So it's like, <laughs> we're not necessarily reading a fucking encyclopedia of like you know Scottish history before we start recording. Exactly. Um, but the thing is, I, I've got an images of it, actually, but I can't see the name of the, the people who organised it. But it's basically activists who've gone around um, and added these plaques. So essentially, it's like uh, on Glasgow, 
no, I'm not in, I can't read that properly, but on Wilson Street in the city centre in Glasgow, they've got Rosa Parks Street. Um, at Cochrane Street, they've got Sheffield Barrow Street. On Buchanan Street, they've got George Floyd Street. Um, these plaques are just underneath the actual names, obviously, like because they, they haven't moved them yet. Um, and I think it's like it's an amazing gesture, and I wonder if it's something that, like, this is the type of thing that I'm, I actually almost like do need Nicola yeah. to just do, right? Yeah. But I just want the gesture. I also want her to defund the police and to move the money into community uh, projects and to and, and healthcare and education. I want her to be talking about how she's going to reform the education system so people understand the, the history of this country better and I, again I don't want it to just be in primary schools and high schools I want it to be across the curriculum across everything and also tv entertainment media I want this I want the new Scottish channel to be basically dedicating a lot of its um its time to re-educating people about how this country was built because actually it's it's an it's an interesting story it's not just a terrible one where we're all going to be you know guilt tripped and made to feel like shit it's actually a really important story white guilt. <laughs> you know um because we're all lying to ourselves essentially like um i can't really sleep at night with an understanding that everybody else in this country gets to sleep at night without the understanding of this stuff do you know what i mean it's almost yeah. like it's weird to be walking through the world knowing something so fundamental but then actually being gaslit at every turn yeah yeah that's you know? it's like walking through streets where people that like pioneered the imprisonment of a people and the that contributed to such evil are effectively being celebrated just in having their names in plaques. And then yeah. I suppose for, for black people like walking through those streets, it, I, I can't imagine feeling like I belong there in like mm -hmm. a real way because it's like if, if these slave owners are gonna be celebrated, it's like, it, it's kind of like um, shitting on your existence. Mm -hmm. So I think this idea of like having these street names, like having like Rosa Park Street and all these things, I think it's very necessary. I think we need to acknowledge that, yeah, like we are as white people, like we have gen like on like today we benefit from racism, but like if you look at it intergenerational, like. You know, you don't need to look that far to find someone's granddad, or like even earlier you said, like even today, our tax is still like being funded from slavery. Mm -hmm. So I feel like my words are getting a bit tangled, but basically, yeah, like I agree. <laughs> The the interesting thing is like Scotland has already done this before, like this uh, renaming of streets or kind of like dedicating streets to a cause in relation to like black struggles. You know, you've done it before. You could do it again. Yeah, and in like more of a meaningful way and in a much more meaningful way because you're then addressing your own shortcomings, not just turning around and being like, Oh my god, look at that over there in South Africa. It's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's 
shocking, isn't it? You became Susan from Kilmarnock. I became Susan because Susan lives inside me. Do you know, I've got so many weird fucking people that are in my psyche. Like, I've got a valley girl that pops out every now and again and annoys the shit out of Antanas. It's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> there was this video that one of my friends posted on on uh, their story on Instagram, and it was this <laughs> this white woman. There's so many white people embarrassing themselves during this uh, this protest. By the way, just I'm just there's a lot of great allies who are doing incredible work, but there's also just really funny like shit as well. So this um, and I'm only laughing because otherwise I'll be raging and I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to expend the energy and being angry with her. But she's wearing like a prom dress. <laughs> she's like in heels, and she's got like a black lives matter poster. Oh my god! Like fixing her dress and holding, like holding the poster, and like her pal is like uh, take, like you know, kind of like bending down a wee bit. To oh take yeah, I think I've seen this, and it's like. <laughs> It's like it was like influencers in the wild posted it, yeah, and it's it was like so these like in people basically trying to like I don't know benefit from it in some way. They're trying to like promote themselves at protests. Like, look at me in a fucking beautiful dress. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> it's well, like my response to it to my pal because it was in the val the valley girl that lives inside me's voice. It was like black lives like matter whatever. You know, like that lives matter so much. Lives like are like important or whatever. Is that like the slogan? Did mm -hmm. I? Am I right? Like she's just an asshole, and it's just that thing of like, um, okay, this is a demonstration. Of, like sometimes it's almost like um, I don't, I I don't even have the words to explain to you <laughs> privileges. But yeah. here's a video of white privilege. Yeah. Um, this isn't about you. <laughs> Not about you. Ooh. Like, you know, Becky, Erica, whatever name we're going to throw at you. Um, Becky with the contest. <clears throat> the other one that was really funny was um, <laughs> a whole bunch of white women have started shaving their ha hair off for Black Lives Matter, and it's just like... Why? <laughs> Donate money, you freaks. Lindsay, Lindsay, <laughs> you don't have to shave your hair off. <laughs> it's just they're so like buried. In Jennifer, life. why? <laughs> they maybe like feel just the weight of white guilt so much that they don't think they deserve hair. <laughs> That's what it looks like. It looks <laughs> like it looks like someone's holding the gun to their head and making them shave their hair off, and then like. <laughs> At the end of it, they're like, they're like, I did it. <laughs> but like, donate money. Like, and that's the thing, actually, we'll, what we'll do is we'll attach like a number of resources, places you can donate. I'm personally like, um, there's like a Breonna Taylor uh, fund that I've seen earlier, two seconds. Uh, yeah, Breonna Taylor uh, fund earlier that i seen that I was going to donate to specifically. But um, there's like, tons of different things uh, places that you can put your money um so we'll like have a list of them we'll have a list of like resources there's like quite a, a lot of people have like put together effectively like uh like i suppose you'd call it like a master pack of how to not be racist 
<laughs> like yeah. how to well how to be like and I suppose the, the phrase that people use in this anti-racist like not just mm. like I'm not a piece of shit but also what am I gonna do to like exert my privilege in a way mm. that acknowledges it and mm. tries to like dismantle systemic racism and actually like you know address the issue so yeah there's a lot of resources out there so we'll attach them because a lot of them say things in a way that's better than I ever could so I think it's better to just like also let people do their own reading um but yeah there'll be like lists of places um to donate Let's move on to the next Black-owned business that we're going to be uh, highlighting today. Yeah, so the next one. So this is an artist that I came across a little while ago. And I've actually just recently bought a few of her prints as gifts for people. So you can find her on Instagram under nyanzad underscore. So that's N-Y-A-N-Z-A-D underscore. And she kind of does these like really... Um, intricate like um, like prints and they're basically just these like little worlds and um, she does like astrology specific ones and um, she does ones that are quite like witchy and um, yeah they're just like they're just like the absolute coolest prints ever um, and yeah, I can they're really see cute. yeah yeah no sorry what were you saying they're really cute like mm-hmm. I'm just having a swatch at the Instagram at the moment yeah, I sent you the I sent you the Leo one, and we were both just absolutely obsessed. Um, I bought the Scorpio one, obviously, um, and then I bought the Gemini one for my friend Carla for her birthday. Um, but yeah, just absolutely amazing. She's done all this like commission stuff. I think she's been commissioned by like MTV before. Um, yeah, she's like very well established. So yeah, I would. I, I just know she's like it's like one of those artists that as soon as people become aware of her like they're they're gonna want to own one of her prints because it's just like really iconic and really cool yeah I really like the style of it and like um it's just yeah really punchy and poppy and yeah nice color scheme and everything as well and she makes these little patches like sort of like patches that you can like sew onto your clothes as well um, they're really cute as well yeah there's also she's got like laptop stickers and stuff as well so I was mm. gonna buy one of those but yeah every time I look through it there's like a new one that's like <laughs> like I need to own they're all just so different and she uses different color stories they're very I was saying earlier they're like I don't know they're like crack to my ADHD brain because they're so <laughs> and so colorful um mm. so yeah we'll like we'll uh, spotlight one of her prints onto our page. We'll maybe pick some of our favorites. There's one that's like really witchy that mm-hmm. I really like. It's on her Etsy. Oh yeah. So if you're wanting to actually just like go straight to buying one of her prints or you want to look on her Etsy, um, you can find her Etsy. What is it? It's monkey cards. So that's M-O-N-C-H-I cards. And um, yeah, you can also get them through there, but it's all linked in her, in her Instagram bio. So Yes, go and check her out. This is something that I've been seeing a lot to like 
people in my own community and the black community, I kind of really, really, really just want white people to say from their hearts, from their chests, with their own words, how they feel about this. I, I'm, I'm, I've been quoted a hell of a lot by people. People have been sharing the things that I've said and I think thank you for sharing. I'm not, I'm not even ever, whenever I say these sort of things, I'm not saying it to dismiss the, the, the things that people try to do to, to show support. But um, it means something to see that you've thought it through in mm -hmm. your own, you've thought it through and you've, and you're, you're in the process of working through it and figuring it out and unpacking it for yourself. Mm -hmm. I think people are scared to say things or to put themselves out there and say something in case they say the wrong thing. The reality is, yes, you're going to fucking say the wrong thing sometimes. It's true. But I would much, much rather see you say it and then have a conversation with you and then be able to, do you know what I mean? It's almost like, I don't want to say like white people say whatever, but if you're in the, if you've been doing the work, um, reading and listening, like properly it's listening. perspective, yeah. You will have a perspective yeah. um, that is your own. And I, I just feel like that's something, not to say that sharing other people's stuff is not um, productive, it really is. I just also would love to see more people saying it from their own chest. Because people keep coming to me and saying things like, Sakai, um, I just don't really know what to say about this. I don't really know how to... Um, express it, uh, express how terrible I feel and how sad I am about it and, and, and da, 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 all this stuff. They just keep saying this stuff to me. Like, I just don't know how to, and I'm like, well, actually. It's not your place as well. Like, it's kind of. It's not like, my place, not... but you're also quite sincerely, and I know that people are being sincere. I'm not even annoyed with them. You're quite sincerely telling me. So quite sincerely tell. The world. Tell the your world. People. Tell your people. Yeah, right. say, this is really upsetting while I don't live this Even if it's just like, I am so, I've been crying about this. I'm, I'm hurt. My, like, I'm comforting my children who are, who are also crying about, like, tell the truth. Tell me how it's making you feel because otherwise we're, otherwise it's empty. You know, like there's, there's this thing of performative allyship that's been going on. And the reason why it feels so performative is because I don't hear your your um your emotional response to it. Mm -hmm. So all I see is just the um yeah, it's almost like I'm all I see is like the the see I said something or see I put a black thing on my screen. Yeah. Um it's a tricky one because well yeah. the, the thing like so when when I've watched, um, like, because it's one of those things, like, when you're trying to, like, you know, inform yourself and educate yourself, like, a lot of what you read is really, like, jarring, and or, or a lot of it is just, it's just very hard to process, and a lot of it is very, um, like, it ha it can, it, a lot of what I was reading was having quite a profound re reaction, but it's also, like, one of those things, it's like, these things, like, what I'm reading like I think there there was like one period a few a few mornings ago where I started crying because I I watched this video of the police killing yet another black person 
and um, I started crying and I was really upset and I was like, but then part of me was like, I'm upset because I'm watching another human being be killed. But in the midst of a Black Lives Matter movement, it's like, it's what that whole thing where it's like, this isn't about my, me mm-hmm. or like my, it's, it's, it's such a, I was finding yeah. it was like one of those things where it's like a difficult thing to tread because I can feel this on an emotional level as another person. But this is something that is specifically on the scale that it's happened to. It's it's happening to black people. And so it's like, how do I like not insert myself in that? Because it's not really my right to say I'm really upset. Do you know does that make sense? Yeah, but see, this is actually what I'd want you to say. If that's what you feel, then that's what I'd want you to say. Yeah, it's like if 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 the sentiment that you want to put forward is basically like I'm heartbroken. This has really hurt me. Like I'm really really upset, and I'm I'm hurting on on the level of um, watching another human die or knowing that an, another human person an, another human being was was murdered. Um, and that there's probably not going to be any justice served for, for that murder is just awful and, and, and it makes me feel really shit. But I can't begin to imagine how this must feel for black, black people. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. But, it's, but this is the thing, like, I know you and you have posted a million different things in a million different ways. You've, you've expressed how you think about it so many different ways. Yeah. There's people I know who felt that it was it was necessary to say something, but they came to me first to like seek approval for how they were going to respond and, and I kinda get it. Like I get why, because they're scared of like saying the wrong thing. But it's also just like imagine the fact that I'm already I'm like as like I said at the beginning of this um podcast, I'm juggling many, many different things right now there's still a pandemic on so I'm trying to be present for my community I'm trying to be present for my family so that if there's if they need me um I'm there even just on an emotional level there's um I've got I've got friends and family that live in different parts of the world so um I've got different time zones on my phone right like literally I'm sitting here with like (laughs) yeah just different time zones and and just making sure when it's okay for me to check in on this person that lives in another part of the world and it's just like all the different things that we as individual black people are juggling all the different relationships and experience and 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 also our own emotions and i think for white people it's like if you don't yeah if you can try not to pester your black friends <laughs> too much, <laughs> like is what I'm saying. Like, um, I've had so many lovely messages from people though. I cannot complain too much because maybe like five years ago, I would have like thrown my phone out of the window because of the sheer amount of abuse and bullshit I would have been experiencing from people. But now, I have loads of people coming in and telling me like, oh my God, like, I feel like I'm starting to get a, a, a bit of a better understanding of what you've been going through all the time. Or 
like, please, 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 if there's anything I can do to like help or to provide space for you to, to, um, yeah, I don't know, but like, people have just been sending really nice messages, offering help, offering, um, support and, um, and also quite a few of them have even said like, there's no obligation for you to reply to this message. I'm just checking in to see if you're okay. And I hope that you are mm-hmm. like, so I have actually got a lot of good people around me, not just like within my uh, community of black people, but also like loads of great white allies in my life. So people who I would actually call allies and um, there's like a lot of debate about what makes an ally or what um, or whether white people can even be allies. Um, and my view is, I definitely know people who who make it such a fundamental part of their lives that I can't turn around and say that they're not, um, including yourself, obviously. And so I would say, like, everyone, everyone makes mistakes, everyone falters in some ways in life, um, but for the most part, right now, I'm surrounded by people who um, are not making this worse for me. Um, but I would say to the white people who are still in that early stages of, of figuring this shit out, please don't pester your black friends too much. Like we're going through some serious shit and um, don't be asking us for resources and to educate you. There's, yeah, so, there's much- so much out there. <laughs> That's the thing. I was actually, when we were talking about that before, I was saying that there is actually this document that I read the other day and it was, I mean, and I already, knew it all anyway because we've kind of talked about this before anyway but like there are um like documents on how to be an ally right now for um, the black community so if people want to like like an in-depth resource like it's all there so like i said we'll attach i i mean every every second person that i've seen anyway currently has it as like attached in their bio so you know, we'll make it like our bio as well, like just a list of resources. I'll actually do it when we come off recording just now. Um, so people can find all the resources. It's all there. If people want to, you know, like if people want to listen to other podcasts that discuss like, you know, black culture, black issues, um, there's The Read, there's um, there's Keep It, there's all these podcasts. There's, you know, so many resources even on netflix just now there's like a million different things that you could be watching just to get like a better understanding as to like how to be an ally um yeah i think another big thing is also to support um support black creatives um Mm. and black activists in as many ways as you can um because you know one of the things that this is about like supporting black people wherever you find them so it's it's not just like um you know there's there's some artists who are like big 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 huge names support them just as much as you would any other day but you know try and find like more like black indie artists who are just like trying to make their way and like you know um if you can um if you've got money like buy from black owned businesses as much as you can like see like, this is like a huge thing I feel like we tell each other within the black community all the time buy black owned as much as you can because we need to support each other but white people also need to buy black owned stuff so it's like if you are looking for like 
candles because you like this you like scented candles don't buy a yankee candle find on etsy a black owned candle making you know what i mean Can, yeah. candle shop or um like I, I hate i hate the thing of like you know like see if a, a, a black owned business is like really geared towards <laughs> like celebrating african stuff i don't really mean like go and buy a whole bunch of like ethnic looking shit like you know what i mean like just but there are black-owned businesses that make everything. Black-owned yeah. businesses that sell coffee, and um, fucking, you know, you know, we know what it is. It's like everything. Like yeah. we we make and sell and and create everything. So go and support as many black people as you can. Yeah. Take your money out of the fucking Amazon and and all these big massive like marketplaces and put it in the hands of of local makers as much as you can and of of people who are doing their thing and doing it well but don't usually get the support yeah. you know um that's, that's like a well it's people um again we've we've discussed this on the podcast before like um uh mostly white audience tend to put their money where they can see themselves and it's it's that's a product of racism because they don't see themselves in something therefore they don't put their money in it it's why um all of the you know, black and uh, black drag queens that come out of RuPaul's Drag Race never get the same success as the white queens. It's because the white audience don't see themselves in it and they don't support it. So, in supporting black artists and supporting black creatives, you are acknowledging that they are within a system that does not is not favorable towards them. Is not they are not con- necessarily considered marketable in the same way that there's the weight of systemic racism on their head and in in supporting these creatives you're acknowledging that and saying that you're not going to contribute to that and you're going to try and uh, contribute to um i don't want to say this i'm not you know naive enough to say the solution but you're at least contributing towards you know hopefully like at least a less racist society and I think like actual allyship is like not just being vocal about this right now at this moment in time when it's like a huge hot button issue. Um, this will potentially, I'm not going to say it will because I, I don't want to say anything about like where this is going because I, I know that it could go in many, many different directions. But like many of these moments of... Um, of a high visibility of <clears throat> issues around racism, especially in relation to black people, this may fade pretty soon into the background and something else will come into, into its place because that's kind of the new cycle that we've been used to for many, many years where something becomes the, <clears throat> the focus for a little while and then it just dies down, right? I don't think that's necessarily gonna happen in this case because I think something bigger is happening in this this particular moment. But as soon as it's not trendy anymore to talk about this, um, if you're still using your platform to discuss it, if you're still donating to um, organizations that are um, supporting black communities, if you're still buying things from black-owned businesses, like I just suggested, and if you're still engaging um, 
with the conversation, reading, educating yourself, um, putting pressure on your um, representatives to, to deal with this issue, then I would say that maybe you can now start calling yourself an ally. It has to be a constant thing. This is your life now if you're an ally. You want to put the label ally on you? This is your life now. You're in it with us then. You have to get in. <laughs> you know, people are like, you know, like the, the buses, um, the bus is about to leave. If you're getting on it, then you're staying on it. There's no getting off, right? So that's, that's how I'll, I'll, I'll discern whether um, someone's an ally or not. If in like maybe a year's time, Mm-hmm. Even if they're pissing off their neighbours, they're still rattling on about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, that's what the issue needs. It isn't going to be a couple of Instagram posts. It's so embedded in our culture and our society and our framework that it, it requires pissing off all our neighbours. That's what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. So... Like, it also- requires you making your your family uncomfortable at Christmas and New Year and um and your grand's birthday and <laughs> like do you know what I mean? It just it does. It requires you being a pain in the arse all the time. It's all of the people who you are surrounded by who are still not getting it. Yeah. If you hated Christmas before because you were arguing with your family, then buckle up. Do you know what's funny actually? Um Carla my friend, uh, our friend, um, always says that she. Our friend with the best bum. Yeah, Carla with yeah the best bum. Um, <laughs> she always talks about Christmas being super uncomfortable because yeah. her and her sister are just basically trying to like allow, like help. Well, basically trying to get her grand to unlearn a lot of her like racist <laughs> like biases, effectively. Um, and yeah it's it's obviously because um and even like carly used to date a black man and when she first took him home that was like a whole thing and i think just yeah every every christmas she always says it's like arguments and arguments and arguments and it's like that's what christmas is now for us all (laughs) like that's just what we're gonna do well, it's, it, it is for the, the people who are really serious and honest about, yeah. about their, you know, because if Christmas isn't uncomfortable um, this year, which it will be anyway because of the fucking pandemic, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> where are we all having Christmas? Anyway, like, I don't even, I don't even think about it. Um, like, it's really about, like, challenging prejudice of any sort wherever you see it mm-hmm. and um anti-blackness is at the forefront of people's minds at the moment but i really want you to keep the same energy about all the different types of oppression that exist So we'll move on to the last spotlight of the episode. Yeah, so this one is actually um, an artist that I follow um, on all the socials. She's a fellow Zimbabwean who um, lives in America, so I think in New York. Uh, Her name is Nancy Kalelo Mutiti. 
and um, she basically made a few prints recently and um, she has been selling them as part of a fundraising project with a, a space called Studio 23. Um, and basically they're selling the prints um, on their online shop to benefit the Richmond Mutual Aid Fund, which essentially is um, for COVID-19, a COVID-19 relief fund and a fund for black owned businesses in Richmond where she's based and um yeah so she's made these really beautiful prints one of them is um a series of images of uh, african women with their hair braided because her work really kind of um has been researching um the the history of of, of braiding hair and and uh, the richness of that within african culture um and then she's got this other print which i actually bought recently um from the uh, studio 23 website and it's called it basically says on it um beautiful words are subversive and it's got these gorgeous roses and everything around it it's really really lovely so if you're wanting to um support the uh the richmond mutual fund uh, mutual aid fund um or if you're just wanting to have a look at nancy's work um you just you can go on to her instagram at Nancy Mutiti, so that's N-O-N-T-S-I, M-U-T-I-T-I, and obviously we will link that as well. And then um, for the actual um, the Richmond Mutual Aid Fund, you just go on to um, Studio Two Three on Instagram. Perfect. Yeah, no, the the prints are absolutely beautiful, and um, yeah, even just their work in general just looks really visually lovely. So yeah, definitely go and support them, um, support their page. And yeah, if you're, yeah. And if you're, you have the money to do so and you like their work, then go and get yourself a nice print. Yeah. It's funny though, cause it's like we're in the middle of a pandemic and it's like, there's so much to donate to at the moment because there's so many communities that are struggling and so many businesses that are suffering already. And then on top of that, we've got to deal with the bloody racism and race issues and it's a lot. <laughs> so um, if you want to do a bit of both, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's you know it's really 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 important that people do that and you know we're all like we're all still learning i'm even it's funny because like as a black person sometimes people are acting as if we're like it's almost like, like oh you're being blackness it's like you're you're like this authority on on a particular issue but the, the reality is i've lived as a black person my whole life i'm a dark-skinned black woman i'm queer i have I have all these different things that are on, on different types of oppression I've experienced. I come from a country that was colonized and basically decimated in so many ways. Um, that's still reeling from the, the aftermath and the legacies of that um, colonialism. Um, I am, I'm an artist, so I'm in a precarious position of constantly trying to like find a way to make people find the thing that I do valuable enough to keep sustaining it. So I'm always in this like kind of back foot of trying to 
um, trying to propel myself forward for my career and trying to be vocal um, and trying to be visible in some ways it's like because I really want um, people to listen to like the issues that matter to me and all of that stuff but then in other ways it's like I also need to like I need to be able to to feel like I'm worthwhile as a human being you know like I have a purpose here and one thing that's been going on during the lockdown and I've been doing a lot of like inner spiritual work and all that kind of stuff is that I I'm probably not going to be able to live in Scotland that much longer. Um, not to say I'm going to leave immediately, but I've started to like think about how I can, um, yeah, how, how I can potentially move um, back to the African continent because that I think is the place where I would be, be best um, placed to do the type of work that I want to do. Like and. Because right, even though I want to continue to be um, to be present and of, like and influence people in a in a positive way, there's <clears throat> there's a lot of um, yeah, it's the other stuff that we have to deal with as black people that like we're start many of us are starting to realize that we don't necessarily have to mm-hmm. like <laughs> like do we do i have to be here to change white people's minds or can i actually go and live in a place where that's not a priority anymore mm-hmm. um, so yeah i think yeah it's a it's a big one because i really i love scotland i've grown up here my whole life it's it's a love hate relationship. There's a bit of Stockholm syndrome there, <laughs> um, but but I do love this place. But there's so many parts of it that I don't think it, it, I I need to have in my life, and I could live a much more sustainable um, life, at, like and and be part of a much more I think a conversation around the. Um, around the, the, the condition of, of blackness and, and Africanness <laughs> that's a lot more, it's a lot further on than the conversation that we're having to have <clears throat> through racism mm-hmm. here. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting space to be in, but I've thought about it a lot. And it's like, it's funny because I don't know if I'm going to like have children or whatever, but like if I do decide to have children, I don't want them to experience racism. So I don't know if I want to raise them in this country. And it's just yeah. these are the sort of con- um, considerations that um, that black people have to make. Like where am I going to live where I don't have to deal with this shit? Um, I have to deal with different types of things because no society is perfect. But if I can get rid of one of them, like one of the oppressions that's, that affects me on a daily basis, I could probably be a lot happier. Mm-hmm. You know? I know it's, it's sad that, and cause you've said to me before, even whenever you go on holiday, you have to, there's always like a Google search as to whether like it's safe for, as a black person. And it's, yeah, it's, it's just sad that that is the world that we live in. It's just, very broken 
But I, like, I mean, like you said, we don't know which way this is all going to go. I'm hoping that this is like the start of drastic change on yeah. in, in every faction of society. And I hope that, you know, our, the, the government step up and if they don't, then I'm hoping that people force them to step up and do something about it. So I don't know. I don't know if if I'm hopeful or not. I just, I feel like right now it's like so hard to know the direction that we're all going in while we're all in lockdown. It even feels a bit like hopeless that we can't really protest. Um, yeah, it's, it's so difficult to... It's That's just... a contested issue. Like, I, I think we can. I, I actually do think we can. It, in the way that <clears throat> I would say it's not wise to go out there if you are not willing to take the precautions that are necessary for you to go out there safely. So you, yeah. you need to be vigilant, and I say seriously vigilant, um, about <clears throat> practicing social distancing and um, keeping, making sure that you're wearing your masks, making sure that if you're wearing gloves that you're not constantly touching your face with them. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you're gonna eat, really pay attention to how you're eating um, and how you're preparing yourself before you eat. Like, cause I've seen all these, have you seen all these videos, pictures of people like on the subway and, and they're like eating chips, like McDonald's fries with gloves on. And oh it's my like, god, it's so it's dumb. Like, like everything is just Yeah, so it's just, it's like, we, we just need to be um, cognizant of the fact that there is a fucking virus out yeah, there. There's yeah. a global pandemic. This country has already lost far too many people to it. Black and minority ethnic people are at much higher risk of contracting the, not contracting the virus, sorry, of dying from the virus and um, and if you live with someone who is um, who has an underlying health condition and is under shielding um, uh, you know what's it called it's called shielding place um, you can't go to the protests that's actually like a that's actually like a thing like you can't go if you or someone in your family or someone that you live with in your household um, can't get the virus so yeah so there's th- there's those conditions and I there was a protest that was meant to be happening in Dundee which has now been cancelled well, that, yeah that's more what I was referring to I wasn't saying I, I should um, qualify I don't mean that people can't yeah. protest I just mean it's there's a lot of complications around it and we can't necessarily do it in the way that we want to I think that while it's kind of frustrating that that's like an aspect of it but also and yeah like like you said the one in Dundee has been cancelled one I think I think there was two happening in Glasgow and one of them have been cancelled yeah like there one of them was cancelled and the other one is still going ahead and has been moved to the place where the first one was cancelled so it's like basically there's a protest still happening in Glasgow yeah there's still happening in Edinburgh but Dundee decided to follow Glasgow and cancel um, and I totally understand the reasons for the specific the people who organized um, these protests I understand their reasoning for cancelling I'm not going to ever like say that um, that was a bad decision it's just 
for me, it's important that Scotland makes this moment, what's the word? If this is the start of a huge change, then it needs to actually be enforced. It can't just, we can't just rely on this idea that, oh, we've got quite a nice government. Nicola's quite nice. Nicola's, you know, she's a great leader. And so she's, she's with us. So she's just going to follow suit. Like, I think we do have something to protest. We have, we have things to contest. And um, the voices of black people in this country have to be heard in many different ways. They don't, not just on the radio or on, on podcasts or um, or on social media or through the press. They, they need to be heard on the streets too. And people need to show solidarity with the black community um, in a visible way yeah. and make demands to, to our representatives that will change things in this country. So I don't, I really think that like, I, I personally understand why they cancelled, um, but I do also think that um, there's a safe way to do this and people, people should go and do it if they can safely. Um, I am in a really weird predicament. I was planning on either going to the protest, well, not going to protest in Dundee because it's been cancelled, but just protesting anyway, i.e. going down to the location that the protest was in and just standing there with a placard and saying Black Lives Matter or saying nothing at all. Um, I also thought about getting the first train into Glasgow. Um, I think I'm going to make my decision tomorrow morning. I don't think I'm going to decide right now. Um, I don't think I'm going to decide until I feel however I feel. Mm -hmm. um, because right now, I'm trying not to get sick. Um, yeah because yeah i'm trying not to get sick and i'm trying not to get anybody else sick and i'm trying not to i really don't want the black lives matter movement to be to like be or for like this ne the next wave of the, the well, uh, yeah that's the thing that's that i think that's the the reason that a lot of people are a big part of why people are also cancelling, whether it's because a lot, I think it is possible to have a protest and it be distanced and all these things, but we already know that um, infection rates of COVID 19 are increasing because, you know, lockdown is easing. And I think people are wary of the government, our governments like blaming these protests for that, which is ludicrous it's completely complete bullshit we, we've seen beaches completely packed we've seen mm -hmm. parks full of people not socially distancing it's nothing to do with that it's because they've eased up the lockdown and basically like manipulated people's psyches through you know signaling like we've seen all of the um like the banners that they use it's now like stay alert and it's you know there's like 
it's implied that it's fine to be around people. It's, it's kind of implied that lockdown is over. So now yeah. people are obviously like getting together, doing these things. And yeah, like there is going to be a second, you know, a, a second lockdown probably. And I think it's just interesting. It's just like, I, I just know that our, our media are going to try and create this narrative and effectively like blame black people even if it's not black people like you know when you look at the population of britain like statistically it can't all be black people do it's like actually going to be statistically mostly white people at these protests acting as allies in britain because we're a predominantly white country but it's just like the way that our media is going to like i don't know it's it's all just a bit like I just I don't know I just I just you can even just say the way that our government um, our media are already trying to quickly shift the conversation away from the Black Lives Matter movement onto Madeleine McCann you know oh, that's crazy yeah now suddenly this girl who died 11 years ago is relevant I'm like I don't fucking care about Madeleine McCann people can cancel me all they fucking want people can say oh but she's I don't fucking care I do not care about Madeleine McCann I do not give a single fuck she is one child that died over a decade ago. It's yeah. not important. It's not valid. Why are we talking about it? I was just like, one of my, one of my friends, Shauna, actually just posted on um, Facebook, like, I don't care about my husband, McCann, her parents ate her. Like, <laughs> you know, just like something really inflammatory and stupid. And it's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to sit and qualify what I'm saying I'm not going to say, look, I care, like, it's really sad what happened, but like, maybe we can talk about it. It's redundant, isn't it? It's redundant to say that you care that a small child was murdered. Exactly. It, like, who cares? It's like, it's not that, it's not important. It's not relevant to anything going on yeah. right now. And it doesn't matter. And it doesn't achieve anything. Feeling sad that one white girl died however long ago or whatever happened I do not care does not change anything it does not contribute towards anything let's instead talk about the people that are dying right now under a system of racism so I wasn't even going to qualify what I was saying I'm like you know I'm not going to sit and apologize for anything I'm saying or say like you know what yeah it's sad that someone died blah 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 I'm literally over it I'm just like I don't even fucking care do not care like about it shows you like how much deflection and distraction happens all the time like, if, all like the that, time. That, that one was like the most like obvious but it happens constantly all the time it's always just some some like yeah if it's not and we see this all the time like we see there's always one big thing that is consuming you know the the general like psyche i guess whether it's like if it's not a war with iraq then it's terrorism then it's brexit then it's all of these things and it's all becomes very all-consuming and it becomes this like distraction that lasts like three years and meanwhile our governments are pushing all these policies onto the radar and you know like raping children or avoiding taxes or just like acting in 
inhumane ways, doing whatever they want with our. The gag is the gag is we'll never understand what happened to Madeleine McCann without the the paedophile rings that were involved in the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then and then so, who gets it, who gets implicated? It's Prince. The, people, the same people that that were that are fucking trying to distract us right now. Yeah. Exactly. This, is, this fucking guy, that Dom, Dominic Cummings guy, yeah. that whole thing was a, yet another distraction, but also just, I feel like every single time the Tories don't fire someone, it's because they know some shit. Yeah. You know That's what I mean? It's, you look it's at, like, <laughs> it's um, when the whole like Jeffrey Epstein like documentary went to Netflix, part of mm-hmm. me is like, Yes, it, I've known for a really long time that all of these men are rapists. Mm-hmm. We know this. We know that the Clintons are rapists. We mm-hmm. know that Prince Andrew is a rapist. We know that Jeffrey Epstein is a rapist. All of these yeah. people involved are rapists and they are awful people. Yeah. We know this. Why is it coming up right now? Why is it being prioritised right now? This happened and it, the people that were involved does, d- deserve justice to be found and i hope that that happens at some point but all of the people involved are in ex- very high positions of power and so right now i just think everyone's focus should collectively be on trying to like contribute to the black lives matter movement i'm just i'm just so like hyper aware right now of all of the tools that are used to distract us away from what's happening. I can see it happening all the time. And yes, all of these things are happening in the world that are sad, you know, and the stuff that happened with Jeffrey Epstein, like Jeffrey Epstein's dead, right? He's dead. There's a documentary on Netflix. That for me is not, like that isn't relevant right now. Like that isn't to discredit anything that happened. That's not to like say that these things didn't happen. It's not to like, take away from the survivors that were involved mm-hmm. but he's dead you know and i don't the people that are implicated in this i are i do not see them being i don't know i don't know what i'm trying to say and i don't want to like accidentally say the wrong thing but i think basically right now i just think you know there's one clear thing that the world should be focusing on and i'm just very mm-hmm. aware that our media will do everything that they can. To- yeah, but the ways that matter to you. And if you're a non-black person of color and you are an ally, thank you for supporting us and thank you for being, um, for not trying to um, take up too much space or make it about you or try to insinuate that that we are all experiencing the same type of racism. If you're a non-black POC and you're the opposite of that, then you know, you've got some work to do. If you're white, then and and you're an ally, thank you for putting your energy in the right places. Um and just keep on doing the work. Read as much as you can, listen as much as you can, try not to be too uh needy. <laughs> And if you're white and you're not an ally, fuck off. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
And if you're a police, fuck off. Fuck off. <laughs> and if you're Nicholas Sturgeon, do better. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I think uh, I can wrap up by just saying um, I'm really grateful for us having this platform to be able to talk about these things, like, and to be able to just discuss it in so many different ways, like in so many kind of like um, varied ways. And we go off on tangents and stuff like that, but I really enjoy having conversations like this with you. And yeah, I really appreciate like you kind of doing the work before having these conversations as well. Because sometimes um, I do think that it's like, it's always extra labor to, to put yourself in the position of having to talk about it when you're like feeling so emotional and stuff. But mm -hmm. um, today has been a really amazing day for me because I've had a lot of great experiences with people from my community. And I feel that like, um, I'm just really, really proud to be black. And I just want better for us in, in as many ways as possible. So yeah, Amen. that's the first day. Amen. Well, they, I think they are some really good words to end on. Um, I think, yeah, you kind of touched on, it's important as white people that we educate ourselves, that we understand that we are a product of the issue and we can also be a product of the solution. Um, and yeah, we just need to do our best to try and change change the world because it's fucked. Definitely. So, <laughs> <laughs> kind of so many tangents in this episode, but I feel like we. But it was just one of those. These conversations are never going to be comfortable. They're never going to be clean cut. They're never going to. There's not even really any segments or anything. But it's just. You, sometimes the conversations just need to happen. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and I'm also grateful that I'm fortunate enough to have you know, people like you in my life that I have the benefit of learning from, like, tr like trying, at least trying to understand your experiences. Um, I'm fortunate that I have so many, like, Black perspectives, whether it be musicians or other podcasters, like, people that I can, like, learn from and, you know, become a better version of myself as a result of. Um, but obviously yeah a lot of the work also needs to come from within so yeah we all we all need to do better unless you're black in which case just try to survive and um <laughs> like try to survive and also find time for joy like well, yeah yeah we've got, we've got some really great groups going that are just about posting joyful um joyful images of black people dancing and enjoying themselves and smiling and laughing and playing with their kids and just being happy because that's actually like so amazing to look at when you're mm -hmm. having to deal with this bombardment of bullshit so yeah. um yeah find ways to enjoy yourself i've been out like before we came on this pod, um, podcast recording i literally was dancing around like remember i said to you i was i was um eating my dinner and dancing to Missy Elliott like I was like just dancing around my living room um listening to music that makes me feel good and and then I was singing along to Whitney Houston so that's what makes me feel happy um that's yeah. a type of self-care for me um so yeah do, do the things that make you smile 
even if it's hard at first because sometimes it's hard to even get yourself to a place where you can you have the energy to do those things but if you can find it then or even just like sit and watch a film watch a disney film or watch a um watch a cartoon you know yeah they've got the whole of avatar air um, airbender oh, i've um, been watching it i'm obsessed on netflix <laughs> yeah, i love that show i watch it all the time yeah um but anyway, let's let's wrap up this very long episode. <laughs> I think we started with like it could be three or four. I don't know how long. Um but yeah. <laughs> anyway, so this has been the twenty-second episode of Femfag and Egress. Goodbye. Bye.